Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. For today's episode, we're recording both these segments live. That's because this is not a story that we're discussing today that requires a large introduction. It's on the US-Taliban peace deal that was signed two days ago. We're recording this on Monday, the 2nd of March. Now, the US's war in Afghanistan has been going on for nearly two decades. It's often been referred to as a never-ending war. But that changed, of course, with Saturday's deal. And um, the deal that signed is going to facilitate the pullout of US troops finally. So this was a move that the administration of President Donald Trump was desperate to achieve. But what we now need to discuss is the fallout of the deal and the contours of the deal itself, because there are concerns that the big winners um, are the Taliban and, you know, by extension, Pakistan. That's of concern to all of us. And so uh, to discuss the deal with me, the US-Taliban peace deal is our international affairs editor, Stanley Johnny. Stanley, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jayant. Right. So, like I mentioned in my intro, I think the best way to start is by discussing the big winners and losers because um, it's quite evident that this deal is somewhat unfairly weighted toward uh, the Taliban. They've emerged as the big winners. So, let's just talk about that. Let's uh, please talk us through that. Yeah. Uh, basically, if you look at the peace process, you know, the negotiations were going on off and down for the last one year, more than a year. Um, so, but from the from the very beginning, the United States had made some huge concessions to uh, the Taliban, uh, only to get them, just to get them uh, for the talks, you know. Uh, so the the major concession was that the the Afghanistan government was completely excluded from the whole process. Uh, this is mainly because the Taliban do not see the government in Kabul as the legitimate ruler of uh, rulers of Afghanistan. Um, so if you even if you look at the fine print uh, of the deal, uh, the Kabul government is referred to as the other side. They are not even called uh, the government. And it's surprising that the United States has agreed to all these. Uh, so Taliban has practically got what it wanted. In a sense, uh, you know, uh, you got the Afghan government completely excluded from the whole process. Uh, you got to negotiate directly with the Americans. And then even in the deal, if you uh, look at the terms of the agreement, basically uh, the United States has promised to pull out of uh, its to pull out its troops uh, out of Afghanistan, both American troops as well as the coalition troops under the NATO command. Um, and so it's a phased withdrawal, but still the promise is to get every American soldier out of Afghanistan. Uh, and in return, Taliban has given assurances that Afghan soil would not be allowed to be used by transnational terrorist organizations such as Al-Qaeda or uh, the Islamic State. And also Taliban has also agreed to have direct negotiations with the government. But the point is that, you know, uh, Taliban's biggest demand has always been that, has always been the expulsion of the foreign troops out of Afghanistan. And Taliban has got it. And in return, what Taliban has given, what Taliban has done is to give assurances that, okay, fine, we will be operating here. We won't allow Al-Qaeda uh, to operate in the Afghan soil. We won't allow the Islamic State. So basically, Taliban is severing ties with Al-Qaeda and would continue to fight against the Islamic State. And then the main problem of the conflict is, you know, it is a conflict for power in Kabul. So you have a government in Kabul and then you have Taliban, which is fighting to take over Kabul. And these two will have to settle their differences. 
uh, you know and and that will happen in the in the uh, in the future so basically taliban if you see taliban hasn't you know taliban was not forced to make any major concession besides uh, you know its assurances or besides its readiness to have talks that's it and in britain taliban has got what it wanted that it is getting uh, the foreigners foreign troops out of afghanistan so that is one thing secondly taliban you know once the americans are out of afghanistan uh, that will alter the balance of power in the in the conflict so right now the war has entered into a stalemate for a long time on the one side you have taliban which is controlling or even contesting the government's control in half of the uh, country mainly in, in its hinterlands and on the other side you have the government which is controlling the population centers and the government troops are backed by the americans and the coalition troops um so neither the government forces able to recapture the territories lost to the taliban or nor the taliban is able to uh, take over the population centers from the government so that's how the war is right now but once the foreign troops are out naturally the government's position will get weakened so what we are going to see is a weakened government going to talk with a resurgent taliban uh, so that is that is the next level of the peace process and the taliban as we all know is you know uh, has support uh, from pakistan pakistan has been playing the taliban card for a long time and pakistan has also hosting uh, taliban leadership in in its soil and the haqqani network uh, is also involved which is a declared terrorist organization haqqani network is part of the taliban uh, grouping and the haqqani leader is now the deputy leader of the taliban and the haqqanis are closely related with the pakistani military establishment so basically you see a more powerful or you are going we are going to see a more powerful taliban uh, emerging as a bigger player in afghanistan's politics with support from pakistan and with the tacit approval of the united states right so you know it's um, i think it's i think people often forget that um, you know i mean go- going back to the origins of this war um this was, that was launched in 2001 specifically with the objective of of uh, obliterating the taliban and now 19 years later as you've written also in the editorial that we have today on this issue the taliban is uh, resurgent it's uh, you know it's at its one of its mo- the most powerful points in its history um how is how has that actually happened how is how has it happened that after 19 years of the might of the us sort of going into afghanistan and fighting this war that has cost them so much that's cost uh, so many afghan lives uh, we're still in the situation where the taliban is so resurgent yeah uh, yeah that's right because you know uh, 19 years after the war uh, it's now it's now widely accepted that the united states has lost afghanistan uh, it has lost the conflict so uh, from the from the american point of view the only way to end the war is to reach an agreement with the taliban and get out of afghanistan at the earliest the americans you know seem to be uh, so desperate to exit afghanistan uh that you can you can actually see that in this agreement as well so the, the united states starting 2011 the united states had made several mistakes one is uh, you know uh, the, the larger picture is that it's not easy to manage afghanistan you know in 19th century the british empire tried to do that in 20th century the soviet union tried to do that and both powers both superpowers were forced to withdraw from uh, from afghanistan by the tra- tribal warriors and warlords and the americans uh, uh, have faced more or less the same fate uh, because the united states initially the plan was to yeah get rid of the taliban defeat al qaeda and stabilize 
Afghanistan and rebuild Afghanistan. These were the declared goals of the United States. And President Bush, George W. Bush, who was president at that time, uh, he also got Pakistani support in his war on terror. Uh, Parvez Musharraf was uh, the Pakistani leader at that time, right? Uh, but what happened is that within, you know, within a couple of years, the United States started the Iraq war. Its focus has diverted from Afghanistan to Iraq. And the Pakistanis have played a very, very smart game because they knew that Taliban is their, you know, trump card, their negotiating chip. So they can't completely abandon Taliban. Um, so, uh, so what the Pakistani military establishment did is that while joining the Americans in the war on terror, you know, simultaneously, simultaneously they started, you know, uh, hosting the Taliban leadership, helping the Taliban uh, indirectly. So this is this was going on for a long time. And eventually, the Taliban gained strength, they got support, and then they started attacking the Afghan government forces in, in, in Afghanistan's hinterlands. Uh, and with, with this, this is a long-term plan, you know. And on the other side, the Afghan government was dysfunctional. It is a dysfunctional government. It is, it, it, it is a corrupt government which uh, failed to, you know, um, you know, establish its root beyond the major cities of Afghanistan. So there was this contradiction. On the one side, you have this regrouping Taliban and on the other side, you have this declining government. And this regrouping Taliban was aided by the Pakistani military establishment. And the United States was lost in its many wars because it was there in Iraq, it is there in Afghanistan, and then with the rise of ISIS, it was there in Syria, it was there in Libya. You know, the, the US lost its focus. The US was everywhere in the Muslim world, in the Arab world, and in, 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 and in South Asia. And Pakistan was playing this game very smartly. So eventually what we have is this Taliban at its, you know, uh, at, at its strongest moment since the war began in 2001. Uh, and then the United States, which is desperate to get out of Afghanistan and is ready to deal with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Taliban. The U.S. is so desperate that President Trump even, uh, you know, uh, saying that he is ready to meet the Taliban leadership. Uh, so, so that is the actual, the current reality now. And uh, if you look at the American uh, military history, there are eerie similarities between uh, the way the Americans got out of Vietnam in the 1970s and how they are getting out of Afghanistan uh, now. Because, you know, it, it, it's the same thing in a sense, the Americans lost the Vietnam War. And uh, what they could uh, do at that time, you know, um, uh, they, they, they started negotiating directly with the Viet Cong, the communists, and they entered an agreement with them. And then they, they got out of uh, Vietnam. So within a matter of days or weeks, the communists overran Saigon. They captured uh, southern Vietnam and then, uh, you know, the rest is history. So the point is what is going to happen here? You know, once the Americans are out, well, if the Afghan government gets weakened further, because what, what the Taliban is going to do next? Because Taliban wants to capture power in, in Kabul. That's what they want. They were in power starting 1996 to 2001, till when the Americans arrived in Afghanistan. So they want to capture power. So even if it's not immediately possible, uh, the Taliban would want to be part of the establishment. So uh, so what we are going to see now is, you know, this is only the first phase of the power struggle that's going to unfold before us, Jayant. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was going to ask you about the, the Vietnam comparison. Um, but just also just to move on, I was reading some interesting stats about uh, the population in Afghanistan. And, you know, 50% uh, of the population are women 
uh, 70% are under the age of 30, I believe. Um, not dissimilar, I think, demographics to what we have. And one would assume that this is not a, this is a population that would be dreading the return of uh, the terrorism that the Taliban stands for. In one sense, does the pullout of the U.S. troops, it, does it basically signal that, you know, the U.S. is just abandoning the Afghan population to what? I mean, I know that part of it is the Taliban giving assurances that they will not, you know, sponsor terrorism or do terrorist activities, but uh, they don't exactly have a great track record for, uh, you know, keeping these promises. So what what's your what's your feeling on that? Is this basically an abandonment of the Afghanistan people? I would I would call it uh, uh, it's an abandonment of the Afghan people and the Afghan government. Why? Because you know, yeah, Taliban has given assurances that it would severe its ties with Al Qaeda or that it would continue to fight the Islamic State. But the Taliban hasn't given any assurances that it would respect civil liberties in Afghanistan. Taliban hasn't given any assurance. If you you read the whole document, uh, you know, um, released. Taliban hasn't given any assurance that it would respect the Afghan constitution. It, it hasn't accepted the Afghan constitution at all. Taliban hasn't even recognized the legitimacy of the government in Kabul. So what will happen uh, you know, uh, to, to Afghanistan, to, to, to millions of Afghanistan who do, who do not subscribe to the Taliban's worldview? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. Why? Because... Taliban, when it was in power uh, during the five years in the 1990s, you know, Taliban is known for um, the banishment of women from public life, shutting down schools, its structural discrimination against minorities in Afghanistan, and its 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 uh, uh, strangest inter- interpretation of the Islamic uh, law, Sharia. Uh, so Taliban is known for all these. So the point is that. Is Taliban a different force now? Taliban has, you know, it, it, it's shown some flexibility in reaching out to other countries. Say, uh, in the 1990s, it was just a Pakistani vessel. But now Taliban has created, it has cultivated ties with uh, multiple countries. It is even ready to engage with the Americans. It has reached out to the Chinese. It has reached out to the Russians. It has reached out to the Central Asian countries. So Taliban is, you can say when it comes to diplomacy, it's, much, it's a much more sophisticated machine. But when it comes to its core belief, it's at the, at the end of the day, it's a Diobandi, Pashtun, tribal Islamist organization, right? And what it wants is to take over Kabul. I think uh, you, you look at that, look at this larger scenario, it is actually uh, the American deal actually strengthens Taliban, which is actually a threat to uh, most of the Afghan people. Okay. And let's just touch on uh, two aspects briefly. Um there's no these are not complex questions but basically how how it how it is uh, benefited pakistan and how um how how you know why india needs to be concerned so let me just go with the pakistan angle first because um look i think i think we've discussed this before also that there's there's a lot of a lot of the i think appeal of, of uh, president donald trump in india is the fact that he occasionally says tough things about pakistan and pakistani terrorism but there is the there is the fact that for this deal to have happened, and I think this was a deal that he cared very much about because pulling back U.S. troops is very much part of his his appeal, his agenda. He relied very heavily on Pakistan. So is that a is that a way to just you know how big a role has Pakistan really played here, and how much has this has the successful completion of this deal? You know, whoever is the winner or loser. How much has this strengthened their hand in the region? Yeah, and as we uh, as we discussed earlier, Pakistan 
continues to host Taliban leaders within Pakistan and also the Haqqanis who are in the leadership of the Taliban. Uh, and for and for as regards Pakistan is concerned, you know, uh, there were two major issues. One is that Pakistan sees the current Afghan government as pro-Indian, and Pakistan does. Pakistan wants to undercut its influence. And how do you undercut the government's influence? That is by continuing to empower empower uh, the Taliban. And secondly. Pakistan knows that Taliban could be a bargaining card when it comes to its relationship, its troubled relationship with the United States. Because the United States, at the end of the day, would require a country that could control Taliban to maintain peace in Afghanistan. Or, you know, the United States would want at least an intermediate, an, an intermediate power between itself and the Taliban. And that intermediate power is Pakistan. Pakistan knows that very much. Uh, so the point is, if you if you read Steve Cole's book, Direct Writers, Steve Cole actually you know um, reconstructs how Pakistan has come up with this strategy of secretly helping Taliban. They had even set up a separate wing of the military intelligence unit. It's called Direct Writers. The book is also called Direct Writers, which continued to cultivate the Taliban even when the Pakistani military was fighting along with the Americans against uh, you know the jihadis within uh, Afghanistan. So it was. It started as a secret mission, and then it's now everybody knows that Pakistani government has, you know, tremendous influence over Taliban, and the Pakistan Pakistani government continues to use that. So Pakistan, you know, now with the Taliban becoming mainstreamed once again, Pakistan stands to gain on two counts. One is that, yeah, as you said, the Americans are now heavily dependent on Pakistan. Because that you could see, you know, when Trump was in India, even in Ahmedabad, while addressing a huge rally along with Prime Minister Modi, Trump was saying that, yeah, we have stronger relationship, strong relationship with Pakistan, and we see Pakistan, uh, you know, making uh, good on its promises, etc., etc. So he was trying to balance between India and Pakistan, even when he was in India. So the message is clear, and the Trump administration of late has, you know, uh, removed some of the uh, uh, sanctions, some of the uh, aid. You know reversals. They 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 were going back on those policies and started some military training recently. So there were enough signs from Washington that the United States is resetting its ties with Pakistan after the initial problems uh, during the Trump presidency. So it's now clear, and Pakistan is getting what it wanted. Uh, so on both counts, one is enhancing its leverage in Kabul through Taliban. And the other is to use Taliban as a bargaining chip in its relationship with the United States. So on both counts, I think the Pakistanis are doing very well. And this this particular agreement cements this argument. Okay, and let's just touch briefly on why uh, New Delhi, why India needs to be concerned about this. Um, and let's just, because, you know, the return of the Taliban, not the return of the Taliban, but the resurgence of the Taliban, the strengthening of the hand of the Taliban can't be good news for India. So what are the concerns here? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the point is that, yeah, one is the strengthening of the hands of the Taliban. And the second is the strategic advantage which Pakistan is gaining out of this agreement. So both these uh, would worry India. So the point is, if you look at history, if you look at go back to the late 1980s, so it was actually... In the late 1980s, when the Afghan Mujahideen became uh, so strong in Afghanistan against the communists, uh, against the Russians. 
So it was during this time in the late 1980s that India saw, uh, you know, widespread violence in Kashmir. Uh, so this, uh, some of this uh, uh, jihadists and then um, uh, this uh, 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 this tribal activists, so they travel across the region from from uh, Afghanistan through Pakistan to Kashmir, and then they unleashed violence on Indian forces. So Kashmir saw unprecedented violence in the late, late 1980s, and uh, this was connected with uh, the situation in Afghanistan about the, the, the crumpling of the government in Afghanistan. And then, you know, Afghanistan itself fell into civil war uh, in, the, in the 1990s. So this had, uh, you know, uh, reflected on the security situation in, in, in Kashmir as well. So the, the, the main problem would be, one is that the current government, India has made investments in Afghanistan, uh, you know, in, a, in, in, in infrastructure. And also India is also building a port in Chabahar in Iran which would give India access, direct access to Afghanistan and other Central Asian countries bypassing Pakistan. So India's Central Asian bet is actually through Afghanistan. That is one thing. Secondly, this the current government, India has very strong ties with the current government, with Afghanistan. So, so both India and Afghanistan share border with Pakistan. If Pakistan's worry is getting sandwiched between these two countries, India and a pro-government, pro-India government in, in, in uh, Kabul, uh, you know, uh, India's worry is to losing is losing Kabul completely to uh, Pakistan, which means India's geopolitical leverage would also go down. Uh, besides creating, besides the possibility of having troubles in its northern northern part. So these are the two problems India is facing. So the 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 next question everybody is looking at is that um, you know the normalization of the Taliban or the strengthening of the hand of the Taliban. Uh, that means what for Afghanistan? What is next for Afghanistan? So Taliban would want to be, as we said, Taliban would want to be part of the regime. So how is it going to happen? So will Taliban uh, run over Kabul, like what happened in the 1990s after the Soviet withdrawal? Or say, for example, what happened in Vietnam after the American withdrawal? So would that happen again? Or the Afghan government and the Taliban would reach an agreement so that Taliban sensitivities uh, would be, you know, Taliban would be incorporated somehow into the Afghanistan's establishment. So either way, uh, India doesn't enjoy good relationship with Taliban. So either way, it is going to strengthen the hand of Pakistan. So this is a this is both a security and a geopolitical worry as regards India is concerned. Okay, Stanley, I think this is a subject that we might touch on again. Uh, we'll return to it. It's always so fascinating to talk to you about developments in this region and um, it keeps occurring to me that I should ask you this. I should have asked you this in previous podcasts, but you mentioned a book called Directorate S. So perhaps for our listeners, would you like to recommend any uh, any other books that they might that they could read uh, to catch up on what's happening in this region? Yeah, um, Carla Togal has also written a book about Pakistan. Uh, so uh, she was the New York Times correspondent who had covered South Asia. And then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, Steve Cole's book is the best, I think, because Steve Cole has reconstructed how Pakistan has uh, developed this strategy uh, of, uh, you know, playing on both sides. Uh, you fight uh, the terrorists in uh, Afghanistan along with the Americans, while at the same time cultivating strong ties with the Taliban. Right, okay. Stanley, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon.